Let's get down to business. Welcome to Profits and Purpose, a Colorado Business Roundtable production that unapologetically tells the story that business is good through conversations with Colorado's business leaders. Please welcome your host, the president of the Colorado Business Roundtable, Debbie Brown. Welcome to today's episode of Profits and Purpose with Colorado Business Roundtable. And today we're welcoming Kathy Shaw, who is the Executive Director of Pro15. Welcome, Kathy. Good morning, and thank you for having us on, Debbie. I look forward to, to a great discussion this morning. I do too, absolutely. Before we jump into some of the questions I might have about Pro15, tell me a little bit more about you, Kathy. Where are you from? What's your story? How did you end up becoming the Executive Director? Well, my story is very long, and it started in a little radio station back in someplace in Minnesota. No, not really. <laughs> I'm a, a native Coloradan. Uh, both of my parents are from Northeast Colorado region, but I actually went through junior high and high school in Gunnison, Colorado. My dad managed a big cow-calf operation on the Western Slope. So I have a little bit of, of both worlds. My bachelor's degree is in hotel administration. I managed embassy suites hotels around the country. Uh, then I went into the consulting business, then became a chamber director here in Fort Morgan. Interviewed as the executive director for Pro 15 and, and they decided they wanted, um, some guy who had used, who used to work at Club 20. He lasted about four months. They came to my door and handed me a box and said, you're it. <laughs> and I'm now going on my 16th year as the director for Pro 15. Wow. Sounds like they were lucky you were still available to consider the position. Well, and it worked out because I, I'm still able to run my own business, um, the consulting part of, of my business and the rural tourism part of my, of my home-based business. So it, it's kind of been the best of both worlds. So what made it's, it's interesting to think about, you know, some of your roots in rural Colorado, and then it sounds like you traveled the country quite a bit, perhaps at one point in your career, and then came back to rural Colorado. So what what led you to that decision to kind of plant your feet again? I, I think it's always real interesting. And, and I hear there's always a lot of discussion about we need to keep our kids at home. And my philosophy has been we need to turn them loose and let them go. And then if we make the right moves in our region, they will want to come home. When I left rural Colorado, I could hardly wait to see the end of it where everybody knew what was going on before I knew what it was I was doing. I wanted to explore. I wanted to see different parts of the country. And I was everywhere from L.A. to Minneapolis, St. Paul to Natchez, Mississippi. So I saw a wide range of the country. And actually, my last job with a hotel management company, they ended up buying the hotel in Fort Morgan. And I ended up back here. Uh, doing hotel management. So that's kind of how I ended up back here. But I stayed because I liked the sense of community. I had been out there, seen what I needed to see, learned a whole lot of different things that I would never have learned had I stayed in the rural community. And I think they all work well together. And since I've been, and I've been back for over 20 years now. So it's my passion. Um, there's so much opportunity in rural areas. Um, it's so much different than it was when I left 
30, 40 years ago. It's definitely an up and coming part of the state. Well, and sometimes you don't know what you had till you left it, right? To really look around and and you think- I think that's it. You have to learn, you have to learn different ways of thinking. The more things you learn, the more ideas that you're given. I mean, LA was totally different from Fort Morgan, Colorado. And (laughs) Mississippi was even further away from anything that I had ever known. But all of those experiences and those ideas and those situations I was exposed to makes it so much easier to promote something here because I can see that by bringing ideas from other parts of the country, incorporating the ideas that you grew up with, it brings so much potential to your area. And I noticed that in business owners who went to college, were gone for four year, for several years, and then came back and became parts of the community. And they're the, they're the ones that help us grow and progress as we move forward. Mm-hmm, absolutely. And I would say, too, we're going to talk a little bit later about how COVID-19 has potentially affected some of your work with Pro-15. Um, but, but it's interesting to think about how big cities probably have lost some of their shine. You know, you think about L.A., particularly in times of COVID or New York City, and where you don't necessarily have to work in a big city anymore. It's really one of the, one of the really cool opportunities of the pandemic is is the changing workforce where people might really want to move into rural Colorado when before they maybe weren't afforded the opportunity to do that with their current work. Um, the, the pandemic, the COVID-19 has definitely brought some major challenges and some major opportunities to rural Colorado. And the, the opportunity to work wherever you want to work Mm-hmm. is definitely one of the good things that's come out of it. I think rural Colorado uh, then needs to figure out how we can integrate those new people in our community because they are working from home. So they're, they're probably not um, out in the community as much and have not integrated. They like the wide open spaces, but they don't like the dirt and the smell. And so that becomes then, and politics is part of it. They come with a different set of of beliefs and backgrounds. And somehow we have to figure out a way to integrate all of that to make it work and for it to then become what our future is going to look like. Right. How do you welcome the new folks but stick to the roots that made these communities what they are? What makes them meaningful? Well, before I jump into some of those specific policy um, conversations with you. Tell us just a little more big picture about what Pro 15 is. Um, I know that you, you're a membership organization. You certainly take policy positions. What's the big picture that you all stand for? Um, I think that the big picture is, 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 yes, we are a membership organization, but we're an advocacy education organization. So we stay out of politics. And, and sometimes that's hard to do in any organization that you're in. But we look at new legislation, policies, rules, and regulations that are going to impact the economy of our region. We're not economic developers. We don't go recruit people. But we can support our economic developers and our ag communities and our business and education and energy 
by making sure that the, the laws that we live under and the rules and regulations that we live under are not going to adversely impact our economy. And I think we're very, we're very impactful in that on any given issue, it might be, uh, uh, somebody from healthcare and somebody from business supporting an ag issue, as we talked about carbon sequestration or open space or something like that. And so we're not a one uh, topic focus. Mm-hmm. And it and the education is both ways, educating the legislators, educating the urban area and educating our own rural area on what we have to do in order to survive and grow. Yeah, absolutely. And I think when you and I first connected, Kathy, when I took this position with Cobert, um, I, I might have relayed to you that I come from rural roots. Both my parents grew up on farms, working farms in Kansas. Uh, you know, my parents didn't stay and work the farm, but, you know, I would travel back as a, as a kid, uh-huh. you know, once a summer to see Grandpa Dewey's farm and ended up becoming a 4-H kid myself with our little pretend farm in the city of Phoenix, but (laughs) I still can name like lots of different breeds of sheep at the National Western Stock Show. So I sort of laugh that it's, it's, it's rubbed off a little bit, but it's interesting, probably, you know, you're a unified voice for your rural community. Do you find, do you find that Denver and Denver metro area doesn't quite get it? And that, that's what makes your voice so much more important. They don't get it to a degree The the, and this is probably not, any more rural than it is if you talked about uh, higher ed and K through 12. There's always going to be a, a conflict of interest and ideas, but so much of what we do is a one size fits all. So if you're like, if you're talking about pre-K and kindergarten, that's going to be a different situation than somebody getting their master's degree when you put down the rules and regulations. Well, the same thing happens with the rural urban. And I am loath to call it a divide anymore because I think that brings such a negative connotation. So mine is, is how do we bridge that gap? And is that gap all that big or is it just more a learning thing? I can sit in meetings in Denver and I can have a Denver partner, legislator, senator say, well, how does this affect rural Colorado? Almost faster than I can answer that. So, but that comes from being on the ground, in the meetings, in the door. And sometimes that means you spend an awful lot of time outside of your home area. Yeah, well, I I would think that's incredibly needed, especially as we're thinking about COVID and the economic impacts that may affect different regions differently. And so what I'd love to do is kind of shift a little bit to that. Um, Thinking about the organization that you run, you know, this time last year, COVID was something that was a threat that was coming, but none of us probably really understood the gravity of what what it would do in terms of some of the health challenges, first of all, in terms of, you know, people, um, you know, our hospital systems certainly had to learn how to move quickly and learn how to um, keep people safe. And then, of course, the economic issues that, are, that run parallel to the health issues. And I'm curious, how did COVID-19 affect your planning for this year? How did it affect your organization and some of the people you represent? I think early on, when when we had the first shutdown, and I think that was sometime late March, early April, we found that just staying connected with our members became our priority and getting any information we could get to them, even though we knew the economic developers were doing it, city and county governments were doing it. Every organization was doing it. We tried to make sure that we 
got that information out to as many people as we could. We also found that we needed to stay connected because right at first it was really hard for people not to be going to the office, um, not to be going to school. And by doing, I mean, Zoom is probably the best thing that they ever invented for the current time in, in place. I wish I had stock in Zoom for me. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm always a day late and a dollar short. But by having Zoom and being able to see each other face to face, it really helped. And we did a lot of that. We had, uh, we started our, our webinar, Plain Talk, and we did that every Friday for about three months. That was very important. The other thing that was different about us out here is probably 80 to 90% of our workers were considered essential workers because we're such a strong ag and oil and gas community. So those are not jobs you can do from the office. So we still had all of that going on while we were trying to decide how bad COVID was and would it ever even come out to our part of the state. So the, the first three, four, five months was really just trying to keep everybody connected. We did all of our meetings by Zoom um, and we did all of our policy uh, decisions by Zoom. Well, and I know for our organization too, we're even trying to think through, you know, will June be an open time perhaps for in-person collaboration? Is it not until quarter three you know, it's tricky to know how to plan for that, but I think we're still kind of buttoned down until the state's a little more fully open. And in our big theory, and, and I don't know if you agree with this, Kathy, with all the different talk of stimulus, whether it's the federal government or state government, I mean, my philosophy is the best stimulus is frankly the vaccine. You know, how do we, um, you know, get people vaccinated, especially our vulnerable populations? And, and that's going to open up business again, more than any federal dollar you know, that's a temporary fix, but a vaccine is, is going to help our economy finally get, get going. And I totally agree with that. I mean, I, I, I'm one that kind of falls on the side of having some stimulus um, because I know how hard it is uh, for our low income and rural Colorado is not known as a high income part of the state. So I know that that makes a difference, but I get my second shot on Wednesday. That's great because I fall in that category. So I was on the phone with a friend and we're scheduling March 1st is our freedom date. <laughs> we will have had both shots and we will have had the two week period of letting the shot take effect. Not that we're going to go wild. And I we're was going to ask you, what, what are you going to go do? But you might yeah. put that in the podcast. We're, we're thinking about meeting somewhere between here and Denver and like actually seeing each other face to face. Right. But I think there, I will feel a certain freedom. I work from home, which is, which is lucky, but I go very few places. I have a lot of friends that had it. I've had some friends that have died. I don't want to mess with it. And I see my vaccine as being my ticket out of it. Yeah, I'm with you. My parents just got their second vaccine and, you know, a couple of weeks ago, and I was able to watch the Super Bowl with them yesterday. You know, this kind of dates it, but, mm -hmm. um, you know, it's so important to get that out. And I feel like Colorado has actually done a really good job. When, I, when I'm when i with my other colleagues in other states around the country, I'm just really proud of Colorado. You know, we're our folks that have been running the show on vaccine deployment, I think have been doing a pretty good job of trying to get it out as quickly and efficiently as possible. Is that what you're seeing in rural Colorado? That's probably a lot trickier. 
Well, no, I'm actually seeing us, in some cases, being ahead of the metro area. I got mine from Manor Health. Uh, they Well, I saw it in a governor's announcement on where vaccines were. I logged on, got my appointment, went in. They gave me a card of when my next appointment in time was. And I've been all set. But we've been doing some, I think we've got three places here in Fort Morgan that are doing vaccines. Washington County's doing one at their fairgrounds. But also realize we don't have as many people. So our percentages are probably bigger. Um, as you look, but it, I think the governor and that and the uh, COVID staff at the state level have done a great job of getting it out through all of the counties. There's always going to be some glitches, but overall, the vaccine part has run pretty well. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. Well, tell me, Kathy, what are the biggest public policy issues that are top of mind for you? I know that you're, um, we're all looking for the start of the legislative session. Are there, and, and none of these are going to be solved quickly. It'll be several, several months of conversations, but are there one or two issues that you feel like are a bigger, bigger, um, uh, factor for your members? I think they're actually, it boils down to three this year. Uh, one is transportation. And the one thing COVID showed us was we need trucks and cars on the road in order to get goods and services and vaccines and PPE all distributed. So that continues to be an issue for us. Um, the public option is going to come back up again. And that is one that um, could greatly impact our rural hospitals, which were essential to taking care of us as we went through COVID. And then the third one is, is energy overall. How is oil and gas going to be impacted with new rules? How is green energy really going to be able to replace part of it? Uh, we've always been an all of the above type of energy organization and, and I believe will continue to be. But those three I see as affecting the economies of our state and especially the economies of rural Colorado greatly. Yeah, absolutely. I suspect especially the energy sector, which is near and dear to my heart as well. You know, one of our philosophies with the business roundtable is, you know, right now it's it's a 24-7 recovery. How do we yes. help people, you know, who don't have jobs find jobs? How do we help businesses stabilize and grow? And any legislation or regulatory effect, you know, that hinders our economic recovery that helps Coloradans in all four corners really right. should just be tabled. That's that's sort of, I think, you know, our sort of big picture idea. Now, I don't think that'll happen. But again, like, how do we just get our economy back on track in all four corners? And I believe that Pro 15 is probably in that same camp. As we move forward, you've really got to look at how quickly our economy can recover and do no harm. Uh, that's, <laughs> there's, always, there's always next year to fight over the philosophies of things. But this year has really got to be focused on the economy and moving forward. And then we can argue about the philosophies after we get a good recovery going. Absolutely. We're not quite done with COVID yet. We got a lot. There's a lot yeah. to solve. <laughs> I agree. I'm planning October having an in-person fall conference. Nice. I'm lucky enough in rural Colorado, I don't have to put a deposit down at my at my venue or anything else. So it can always be changed. But that's my goal. That's absolutely. It sounds like a great goal. And Kathy, I'm I'm really excited that you were able to come on and talk with our members today um, via this podcast. And it sounds like we have a lot in common as far as working together to get the economy working. A good job just solves a lot of problems. 
and you know helping Coloradans get back to work is a pretty big priority. I agree totally and, and really appreciate the opportunity to talk to your members. Sounds great. Well, thanks again, Kathy Scholl, the Executive Director of Pro15 for being our guest today. And this has been a podcast for Colorado Business Roundtable. This has been a presentation of the Colorado Business Roundtable. Be sure to check out all of our episodes on Podcatchers Everywhere at cobrt.com. Our technical producer is John Ekstrom and Deaf Communications. Thank you for listening to Profits and Purpose.